Welcome into the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. Chuck Zada and Mark Schofield here on the third day of Fantasy Week. Today's podcast is brought to you by Reality Sports Online, a powerful fantasy platform that lets you build and manage your fantasy team just like a real-life GM. The platform features the revolutionary free agency auction room and has tons of other cool features like a rookie draft, franchise tags, automated contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Visit realitysportsonline.com today and use the promo code PYLON for 10% off the platform fee. And this is the third day of Fantasy Week here, and today we bring in one of Inside the Pylon's own, recently joined up, probably, uh, I want to say, in the last couple weeks here. We are joined by Doug Moore, and Doug, I appreciate you coming on with us, even though I know you're mobile right now, it's been a busy day for you. Yeah, no, <laughs> busy day, but no, I appreciate you guys having me on, I'm excited for this. And Doug, you uh, you wrote an article for us last week, and uh, I you know, it was pretty interesting for me to see this. And, and first of all, I'll be the first to admit, I am the worst fantasy player in the history of fantasy. I can and, attest to that. Like, I have, I have never finished in the top half of a league, and so I'm kind of relying on you to, to guide me in the right direction here. I'll do my best. So talk to me about, you know, this article, because the title of it is Why You're Better Off Taking a Wide Receiver in the First Round of a Redraft League, and... You know, just talk me through some of the reasoning behind the the concept and why it works. Yeah, so I mean, one of the things that we've seen is, you know, just looking back last year, looking at the top running backs in, in 2015, for example, you know, we had guys like, uh, you know, Adrian Pearson, we had Jamal Charles, Le- Le'Veon Bell, uh, guys like that. And, and for the most part, they actually did not perform well. And Adrian Pearson did pretty well obviously coming back from that suspension and in uh, 2014 uh, came back sort of a um, revenge sort of season. But then we see guys like Le'Veon Bell, Jamal Charles, very talented backs, but we see them get injured. We saw Le'Veon Bell go down with a torn MCL. We saw Jamal Charles go down with a torn ACL. And, and just in general, most of the running backs, you know, C.J. Anderson was a bust in the first round as well. So there's a lot of reasons why running backs will, will fail in the first round. I'm saying that all of them will. But I think it's more of a likelihood just because usually they're touching the ball more and they're getting, you know, hit a lot more. You know, running backs are running in between the tackles. They're running outside and they're, you know, they're getting 200, 300 touches a season if they're, you know, a feature back. And, you know, wide receivers, if they're good, will get 100 receptions a season. And I think when you look at it, obviously, you know, wide receivers dealt with their injuries as well. But I think running backs are just more prone to, to getting hit a lot more open field tackle, I think, and, and just, you know, the general nature, they get worn down quicker, I think, and that's why you see such a, uh, uh, you know, a low average for uh, the average age for running backs in, in uh, the NFL as opposed to wide receivers. Um, you know, I, I think you know, we see early 30s at the absolutely. So that's part of the reason why, and, and so many of the top wide receivers really performed at the at you know where where they were drafted they returned that sort of value so um and i could list a whole bunch of them off but um you know that's just that's just if i had to look at it from like a football perspective i would say that's a big reason why is because running backs deal with injuries more i think and and just you know historically while running backs are harder to come by 
they obviously are harder to produce at the level they are drafted at, too. One question that I have for you with regards to that is a lot of NFL teams in recent seasons have gone to, they've really gone away from the classic feature back that's being run 20, 25 times a game and more to two back systems where maybe each one's getting 10 to 12 touches, uh, maybe 15 to 18 in a big game. Does that place a premium still on the guys who still occupy that feature back role and maybe still means that those guys should be drafted in premium positions? I would say so, and, and you definitely bring up a great point. You know, we saw, for example, when C.J. Anderson started struggling, Ronnie Hillman and him sort of split the time when Jamal Charles went down. They split the time between Charkandrick West um, and, and the other running back. I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Um, but, yeah, I would say that, you know, definitely those, those feature backs and offenses – you know, we saw, for example, Adrian Peterson was the feature back in, in, in Minnesota. And obviously he performed really well uh, considering the, the circumstances. So I think teams are doing that because they obviously want to keep their running backs fresh, not rely on too much because they can wear down as the season goes along. Uh, it hurts some fantasy players because obviously the more touches they get, the more likelihood they're going to score fantasy points. But yeah, I would say that the few teams that still have feature backs uh, like Adrian Peterson, for example, I think when Le'Veon Bell comes back, he could be a feature back as well. Todd Gurley's another one, for example. I think they're going to be higher up, and we've seen that, where I think arguably those guys are the top three picked um, in most mock drafts so far. So I would definitely say that uh, when you're looking at fancy, players who are getting those you know feature back touches, you know, 250, 300 a season, definitely are going to be looked at and favored more by, by fancy players. Doug, do you think those three guys you just mentioned, Adrian Peterson, Todd Gurley, um, and I'm, I'm actually just blanking on the third guy, but do you think those guys are guys you feel comfortable still taking in the first round, or are you still just, look, the value is better if you draft a wide receiver? I'm not opposed to taking a running back in the first round. Um, I mean, for example, Adrian Peterson, you know, he didn't play in 2014. He was considered a bust. But obviously we saw he, you know, it was a suspension. It wasn't an injury related or anything. Um, Todd Gurley, probably, you know, I, I would draft him at the right spot. I'm not going to reach for a running back, though, because obviously I think when you look at the, the depth of positions, whether it's wide receiver or running back, wide receiver is much deeper. And we see that as the season goes on where more wide receivers are getting, you know, more chances uh, as the season progresses. Stefan Diggs, for example. I don't think many people are even thinking of him. Uh, Fifth-round pick out of uh, Maryland. But he, he came on and, and was Minnesota's number one receiver. So I think when you look at it, I think most wide receivers that are picked in the first round are the top guys, and, and nothing really is going to change that. Uh, for running backs, um, I'm not opposed to taking a running back in the first round, but I think more so – we see is that they reach on on running backs because there's not as much depth and that's the issue so yeah those kind of guys i feel comfortable probably Adrian Pearson and Todd Gurley more Le'Veon Bell we want to see what his knee looks like uh, as we get closer to training camp and and uh, maybe preseason but uh yeah if I had to name a couple that I would feel comfortable possibly taking the first round uh, those three would come to mind now, Doug, if you are one of those, you know, if you're going to take one of those guys, are you a believer in handcuffing somebody to those guys just to protect yourself in the later, in the later rounds? Yeah, I would definitely. You, you know, when you look at it, um, you know, for example, um, you know, we, we see running backs. You know, uh, the numbers I pulled, running backs, the top, I, I want to say it was 12 running backs or, or top 20 running backs 
played lesser games than the top uh, top twenty wide receivers. So it doesn't necessarily mean if you miss a game that a running back is going to be a bust. It's bound to happen for the most part because they just again take so much abuse and punishment on the field. So yeah, I would say you know definitely those those um, those clear handcuffs. Um, you know, for example, D'Angelo Williams for, for Le'Veon Bell, um, Charkandrick West for, for Jamal Charles. Um, I, I would say that, it, you know, if they're there and there's nobody else you really like, yeah, handcuffing, I think, for the most part, it doesn't necessarily hurt you, but could it pay off? That's another story, but, I, you know, be more safe than sorry, as uh, you know, because anything can happen in the NFL when it comes to a player, you know, being healthy one day and then them going down for the rest of the season the next. Doug, have you uh, done anything looking into uh, tight ends at all? I've done a little bit, yeah. I'm curious uh, what your thoughts. Is there anyone outside of Gronkowski that is worthy uh, of a first or second round pick at this point, or is he pretty much the only one uh, who is in the conversation there? Yeah, so so part of the part of the issue, and tight end has always been a big uh, position that uh, it's a mystery. Nobody knows what's- it, it is. is. It, it is, is a, a mystery. mystery. <laughs> it is. I mean, we didn't expect Kyle Eifert to have a monster season like he did. We didn't expect Gary Barnage to have a monster season like he did. Um, when, you know, Travis Kelsey had knee, uh, knee surgery his rookie year and then came back, and now he's the kind of guy we saw, you know, you never know what's going to happen. We'll tie for another, uh, another name who came on late in the season. It's a hard position to predict, um, but – I don't. I, I don't think you know when you can grab a potential wide receiver one or, or maybe even a running back one in those top two rounds. Outside of Gronkowski, probably not. Uh, just simply because it's such a volatile position, and most teams don't. I think feature it as much as they used to anymore, or it just it's such a position where you can flip flop every week. Um, you know, you could play. You know, the you know plug and play really based upon matchups. So. Um, in the top two rounds, no, but uh, I, I think that the tight end position is actually a little bit deeper than most people expect this year. So, uh, But uh, to answer your question, no. In the, in the top two rounds, other than Gronk, I wouldn't off the top of my head. Now, Doug, another area of confusion for a lot of people playing fantasy is what to do with New England Patriots offensive skill players outside of Gronkowski, Brady to some extent, although even his status is unclear given the Deflategate issue and perhaps Edelman. It's always a question mark, like, what do you do with these guys? Because you'll see a guy like Jonas Gray have a huge game and then disappear. Are there any other Pat skilled players that you would recommend people drafting this year? Yeah, so, I mean, one of the things, you you know, we noticed is going to the draft season, I thought that running back was a huge need for them. Obviously, they, they had lost the Garrett Plunt, who was a free agent, but he, he went down with a hip injury. Uh, Deion Lewis, who had a really good breakout season until he tore his ACL. Um, you know, we, we, you know, we didn't know what the status of him was going to be. And they had, you know, guys like James White, Brandon Bolden, and stuff like that. So the fact that they actually did not go after running back besides actually re-signing Plunt, I think is a really good sign. Um, so I, if for me, I think, you know, Deion Lewis was having a really great season. And I think that he's going to be okay, and I think he's going to be featured, you know, sort of the same amount, maybe a little bit less because they actually have more playmakers now with Martellus Bennett, who I'll definitely talk about it, and Malcolm Mitchell, Chris Hogan, stuff like that. So I would say Deion Lewis is definitely a safer pick. Um, you know, you can get him as a running back three at high end. I think you're getting a steal right there. I think he'll be a top 20 running back. 
uh, once he gets back into his form, which could be week one. Um, and especially if, if Brady doesn't uh, come back, you're going to see, you know, Garoppolo, I'm assuming Garoppolo at least, dump off a lot to either Gronk or, you know, the the receiving running back. Um, Edelman, I trust him as a wide receiver too. Obviously he had the, the second surgery in the offseason with his foot. Um, concerning, but it was early enough that uh, I think he'll be fine for week one. Again, he could be heavily featured because he's that go-to guy for Brady. If the off chance that he comes back, I think Edelman's in store for another good season. Martellus Bennett's really an interesting guy as well, um, simply because I don't think the Patriots have had that much of a talented number two tight end since Aaron Hernandez. So what they can do, and they definitely run a lot of two tight end sets, I think Martellus Bennett could really soak up some red zone uh, targets. I think he could be a guy that, that's moved around a lot. Obviously a very talented receiving tight end. We saw that in Chicago, and it'll be very interesting because I also think that just in general, Gronk, while he's extremely uh, you know talented and he's extremely tough, it almost seems like he's slated to miss at least one or two games a year just because of all the, you know, the injuries he suffers. So um, I think Bennett could be definitely another value pick because if he's that number one guy for one or two weeks, you could definitely see him putting up some good numbers. We've already seen him put up good numbers when he's in Chicago. Um, Chris Hogan, I'm not so much about him. I think he's going to be that number four guy at bat. They definitely paid him pretty well, uh, giving him $4 million a year. Uh, but, you know, I'm not ready to trust him just yet, but obviously, you know, we didn't expect Brandon LaFell to do anything uh, when he first came to New England, and then look what he did. So, um I would keep him in the back of your mind, but I, I'm not going to go racing for him on draft day right now. Uh, but th- that's just to name a few. I don't expect much out of Malcolm Mitchell just because the Patriots have a very extensive uh, playbook, and I don't think he'll be very high on the depth chart. Maybe number four uh, behind, say, uh, you know Edelman, Hogan, maybe Keyshawn Martin's ahead of him as well, who I don't favor much. But I think Malcolm Mitchell for the future outside of 2016 is really good, but uh, – you know, for 2016 in general, Edelman, Gronk, Deion Lewis, maybe with Garrett Blunt as well. He's probably locked in as that number uh, one running back, at least for two downs. And he could be, uh, you know, slated for high single-digit touchdowns, maybe eight to nine. So uh, those are the guys I, w- I would mention. Yeah, New England skill position players, always uh, kind of a feast or famine on a week-to-week basis in fantasy. Before we go any further, uh, I do want to ask our listeners a quick question. That question is, have you ever wished that you could be an NFL general manager? Because the good news is that now you can, thanks to Reality Sports Online. It is a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team just like an NFL general manager. And the reason why is because because it was actually built by NFL front office personnel, former NFL front office personnel, actually. It features a revolutionary free agency auction room, which also mimics NFL free agency, so it enables owners to negotiate and sign the NFL's top talent to single or multi-year contracts. The platform hosts up to 32 teams and has tons of other cool features in addition to free agency. What else? got a rookie draft multi-team trades franchise tags injured reserve automated contract and salary cap functionality and a whole lot more test your general manager skills for free at realitysportsonline.com and use a mock free agency auction if you like what you see use the promo code pylon that's p-y-l-o-n to receive a 10 percent discount on your team or league today fantasy just got real at reality sports online Dot com talking with Doug Moore of Inside the Pylon and Doug talk to me a little bit about the uh, 
the rookies that we have in this class. It's it's a rookie class that I think everyone said, look, on the defensive side of the ball, defensive line, you're going to have a ton of talent there. We didn't hear a ton about skill position players, and I'm curious what your thoughts are uh, just early on as you're looking at these guys, you know, about the skill position class coming in from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, so I think when you have to start looking at, at fantasy rookies in 2016, I think the number one place you have to look at, and this is probably you know a no-brainer, but Ezekiel Elliott with Dallas. Um, I think ideally in terms of his production level and his stats and also fantasy, uh, I think Dallas was the best place for him. Obviously, he's in a uh, you know behind a great offensive line that's still relatively young. Um, obviously, he has a good quarterback in Tony Romo, a star wide receiver in Des Bryant. But I think the most important thing is when you look at it. Darren McFadden came in, I want to say about week six or so after Joseph Randall was released. And he ended up leading, I think he was top five in the NFL in rushing yards. I think Ezekiel Elliott is a much better running back once we see him on the field. And I think that that can speak levels to what he could do in 2016. I think he's going to be that feature back. Obviously, they spent a a top five pick on him. They obviously want him to, to be that guy for them. Uh, so I really think this is the best place for him. I think he's a three-down back. He's really good on pass protection. Has some receiving chops. Not saying he's good or anything like that, but he can catch the ball. I definitely could see him finishing in the top ten, if not maybe top eight, for fantasy running backs in 2016. Um, but getting the obvious out of the way, some other guys I look at, I've been saying this all along, I love where Sterling Shepard went because – not only was he, you know, an under-the-radar guy, really when you got past, you know, the Lacron Treadwell, um, Corey Coleman, you know, Will Fuller, Braxton Miller, stuff like that. Sterling Shepard was a, a really good, uh, you know, tested out really well, um, and he went to the Giants. And I think this is a really good spot for him because the Giants are lacking a number two wide receiver. Reuben uh, Randall went to the Eagles. Victor Cruz... You know, we we saw him in his prime. He was really good, and he was exciting to watch. But the problem is, is he suffered, to some, a career-ending knee injury. And he's still playing. He hasn't been on the field yet. But a year and a half later, I think I read something today, he's still not even on the field yet. He's practicing on the side, still getting back to things. That's not very good. I'm really concerned about his outlook for the future. But that leaves a big, wide-open gap. I think Sterling Shepard steps right in as a number two receiver, and obviously, you know, the Giants, they pass the ball a lot. Odell Beckham's really, really good. And, you know, I think when you look at it, you know, New York improved their defense. I don't think it's up to the level of, say, you know, the Eagles, where they have a lot of foundational pieces um, just trying to find their identity. Uh, So I think that the Giants could be playing from behind a lot just because I think that their defense isn't going to be up to the standards that we think it will be. It's going to cause them to pass a lot. And I think when Odell Beckham's getting double-covered, Sterling Shepard steps right in there as a number two guy, maybe a number three overall target for them behind maybe Will Ty or, or maybe a running back like Shane Vereen. But I think he could step in, and I think he could actually shock some people at how well he does. I think he could be a top 30, if not a top 25 wide receiver in 2016 because he's in such a great spot. Um, a couple other I would mention really quickly, Corey Coleman. He's that number one guy for the Browns right off the bat. Um you know, they just released their de facto number one guy in Brian Hartline today. I think that really just speaks to Corey Coleman just getting that really good uh, inside edge to number one for their wide receiver core. Uh, 
Um, so he could put up some numbers just because he's going to be thrown to a lot. Um, another spot I really like, Devontae Booker. Um, and I really like his game overall because I don't think you can find much wrong with him. He's, he's very good in, all, you know, in the receiving and the running game, maybe not as fast as people like, but you know, he's proven to be able to handle a workload uh, of a feature back while he was at Utah. And I think he's in a spot where while the Broncos paid C.J. Anderson a lot of money, um, they've been shown to change up their running backs if they don't do well. You know, we saw C.J. Anderson, he had all the momentum going into last season, and then he got benched like six weeks in, and, and Ronnie Hillman was the starter. And, you know, then C.J. Anderson picked it up at the end of the season in the playoffs. I think if, if both of those guys, Ronnie Hillman, who's only on a one-year contract, and C.J. Anderson, who has been known to struggle, I think if they both struggle, Booker could get some work right away. Um, and I think he's the best receiver out of the three uh, of those guys mentioned. So I definitely see him getting some work regardless. But I wouldn't be surprised if he's that lead back at least one or two games, if not you know, by the end of the season, him taking over that lead role. So those are definitely a few I'd mention. Now, Doug, being the quarterback guy, I have to ask this question. Though. It's a little bit tough, I think, this year. But in, your, in non-dynasty formats, are any of these rookie quarterbacks worth a draft pick, do you think? Yeah, so – I would say in terms of, of, of running back, I'm sorry, not running back, but of quarterback um, potential for 2016, obviously I think we're going to see Jared Goff. He's going to be starting for, um, for the Rams come week one uh, just because I don't think they have any other options. I think they're really, that was their plan all along. Um, so I'm not, not going to say necessarily that he is uh, a guy to, to own because I don't like their situation outside of Todd Gurley. Um, they really don't have much of a receiving core. Tavon Austin, sure, he's great, but in fantasy, he's not very good. Uh, he's very inconsistent. He's a big play guy and um, doesn't do much outside of those big plays, which are uh, far and near, I think. Um, I would say, because I think that the Eagles are going to go ahead and keep Bradford their starter for 2016 now that he's shown up. I don't like where... Um, in general, where, you know, I think Wentz was brought in to be sort of that, that guy that sits a year, takes over for Bradford in 2017. So unless Bradford gets injured or does really, really bad, I, I don't see him doing much in 2016. The one guy I would point out, uh, and that's Paxton Lynch in, in Denver, uh, because the only other competition he has is, you know, Mark Sanchez. And Mark Sanchez, for the most part, has proven not to do very well. And he's obviously coming off that thumb injury where I don't think he's even back to, to OTAs yet, which could help Paxton Lynch. Uh, and I love his situation. If he gets the chance to start, he's already got two wide receivers, Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas, who are both really good. Again, that running situation where while it might be a little shaky, you're going to get production out of anyway. Uh, and then obviously I think an improved offensive line, you picked up uh, Donald Stevenson and Russell Okun. Uh, so I, I would say that, you know, if there was one quarterback who I think would have the chance for immediate success in 2016, I would say it's Paxton Lynch because I think he has the best route uh, besides Jared Goff to starting. And I like what's already in uh, Denver, obviously besides that defense of theirs as well. So um, that would be my guy. Very good. Well, Doug, we are uh, just about out of time, but I want to thank you again for uh, coming on with us today. 
Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm glad you guys had me on. Really, uh, it's it's hard to talk fantasy to people in my house who don't uh, even understand what football is. So <laughs> to come on and, and talk about this, a really a pleasure. Obviously, uh, love talking to you guys. And uh, again, thanks for having me on. Well, thanks we, so much, Doug. We at least think we understand football. We're terrible at fantasy, but yeah. we're at least happy to talk to you to get a little better. Well, that's what I try to do. At least I pretend to be good. Hey, look, that's more than we can do, so you got that going for you. Doug Moore from Inside the Pylon, uh, thanks again for coming on. We are done for the day. A couple more days here on Fantasy Week, though, so make sure you tune in. I'm not going to give away our next couple guests, but we've got some pretty good ones lined up for Thursday and Friday, so make sure that you tune in on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast.